Hey everyone, welcome to the Rotor Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Tuesday, it is February 18th, it is 2020. We're going to talk some NASCAR again today. We're going to kind of recap the Daytona 500 and you know start previewing the race, the Pennzoil 400 prevent, presented by Jiffy Lube over there at Las Vegas for this weekend. We do these um, preview recap shows each and every week. We are going to be doing them on Grinders Live this year on Wednesdays. But uh, with the slow NBA All-Star break, we decided to go ahead and do the review precap, review and recap and preview show um, on the morning grind this week. So uh, excited to, you know, talk some NASCAR. First and foremost, um, you know, just want to say I am very, very thankful that Ryan Newman is alive. Um, you know, if you didn't watch the NASCAR race, if you don't watch NASCAR, it was one of the worst wrecks I've ever seen. I've been watching NASCAR. I've been watching racing in general um, my whole life. My dad you know, own some dirt cars. I've been going to the racetrack for a very long time. So one of the worst wrecks I've ever seen. And yeah, just, you know, really thankful that he is um, alive. We still don't know the injuries or anything along those lines. Um, We do know that he was in serious condition last night, but it wasn't life threatening. Um, So, we wait for news along those lines, and I think we're all, you know, just giving kudos to the medical teams and the track medical team that was there, um, you know, so fast and, you know, just able to get to him, get the fires put out, get him out of the car safely. Um, and kudos to NASCAR in general, just, you know, as as far as you know the equipment and the safety has come um it's come a long way so you know kudos to them because you know the safety of these drivers are so important um you know i i tweeted this out as well and i said you know i watched that wreck happen i was at the start finish line on the pit wall saw it happen right in front of me and, you know, any, any time like that, you know, you, you want to hear good news. And the fact that we weren't hearing anything, the fact that they that brought out like black tarps and the fact that they said he was going straight to the hospital. I went, I was down, down there to see, um, I, I was down there to see, you know, if I could get any information and, you know, I was just, man, it was, it was so hard watching the crew members walk by. Just watching the crew members walk by teary eyed, nobody saying anything, the tarps, everything. It was just, it was just really hard to watch. It was really hard to watch that ambulance leave. Um, all I could think about was his girls. 
So very happy that he is alive. Um, and, you know, wish, wish him a speedy recovery for sure. So, all right. Um, if you never watched or listened in this case to a preview show and you'll be able to watch this too. This will be on YouTube later. Uh, no screen shares or anything. So audio might be the best. You don't have to see my ugly mug. Um, but if you never watched the preview show before, like I said, we're moving it to grinders live this year. Um, we, 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 we go back and we look at, you know, what I played in cash games, what the major tournaments, um, the winner kind of break down the winning lineup from DraftKings and FanDuel, break down my cash lineups. We talk about the strategy. I give my takes on things that like I thought were bad. I give out my the good and uh, just some takeaways to kind of just recap the the race before, and then we you know preview the upcoming track, what to look for statistically, and um, you know just kind of talk a little bit about the upcoming race, and that's usually it. So. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll have a hockey podcast on Wednesday, you know, so make sure you're checking that out. So let's go back. We're going to start over there on, um, you know, DraftKings you know, with cash lineup. Um, so it, cash, cash for me has been very, very good at – Daytona and Talladega for a long time, just kind of playing it very safe. It did not help this week that BJ McLeod and Quinn Hoof and Reed Sorensen all decided they wanted to wreck running in the back. Um, you know, you play these guys because they're going to run around the back, kind of stay out of trouble. Quinn Hoof wrecked, finished 39th, um, scored one fantasy point. BJ McLeod and Reed Sorensen. Reed Sorensen cut a tire. Like BJ McLeod was in a wreck. It's just, it was not, it was not good. Um, you know, BJ McLeod and Quinn Hoof wrecking was one of the hardest things to watch for my DFS weekend. Um, ended up having a losing weekend. Can't win them all. I would do the same thing at Daytona next time we come back. Or if I had to do it again, I'd do the same thing. It's just, it was, oh man. So, so hard to watch um, two of your guys that you know are going to ride around the back, wreck you, just being a wreck and just mess you all up. So, uh, there was a, you know, there's a couple different decisions on how to approach cash games for me this week. You know, we had, you know, Blaney and Boyer and, and like Denny starting in the twenties, you could easily have played Boyer, Blaney, you know, Kyle Bush was popular in cash games. Um, Denny Hamlin was pretty popular in cash games as well. So there was a lot of different ways you could approach cash games um, over there on DraftKings this week. And, you know, when, when you're looking back at it, like, I'm not mad about any of the decisions that I made. You know, when I go back and I look at, like, my rankings and stuff, they were all really solid. Um, it, it's just, you know, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. So, like, I try to go really safe. And, you know, Kyle Busch was, like, 66% owned and put up seven fantasy points. So, like, if my guys – 
don't are not involved in that wreck, I'm probably fine. So uh, I'm not. And like I said, I'm not like, oh, I, I got to do it differently next time. You know, so that, that that was the last thing that I thought. Now, had I known that – had I known that there was going to be the Joe Gibbs, like, train sitting back uh, for that first stage and just kind of – setting themselves up to be out front. Maybe I would approach it differently, but yeah, nothing, nothing pre-race, um, pre-race thoughts would have made me approach anything differently. Um, going over to DraftKings, uh, they had the 888 K, um, 888,000 America's race, 150 K to first place. And there was 11 place, 11 person tie first place um congratulations to everybody that took that down for 28k a piece that's super solid um had a lot of people reach out to me um congratulations to you guys the winning lineup over there was ryan blaney clint boyer brendan gone denny hamlin Corey lajoy and david reagan scored 326 and a half points it took those guys starting in the back um in the 20s blaney boyer hamlin and played those guys um Brendan Gone started 39th, finished 7th, um, 32 place differential for 71 fantasy points. You know, Corey LaJoy, 36th, 8th, he rode around in the back. Uh, David Reagan was involved in a little bit of a wreck, had some damage, but still was able to finish 4th um, and keep it going there. So, all guys that I really liked. You know, if you listen to the show, um, on Saturday night, if you looked at rankings and stuff, I liked all these guys. Um, you know, all these guys were prime plays for me. I was looking at my ownership. I just didn't have the right combo. Like I was um, almost overweight on all those guys. So, like looking at it, like Brendan Gone, I was overweight on Brendan Gone. Um, who are the other ones? Corey LaJoy, I was overweight on Corey LaJoy. Um, I was way overweight on David Reagan. I had 20% more than than the field on Reagan and um, Brendan Gone. So, like, you know, Denny, I, I was actually underweight on Denny. I had played 27%, and he was 36.8%. Um, so I was underweight on Denny. I was right at the field on Ryan Blaney. Uh, both, you know, both me and the field had – 27%. Well, the field had 26%, I had 27%. And then Clint Boyer, I had 34% Clint, and he was 32% owned. So, you know, a little overweight on Clint. Little, little, very, very slightly overweight on Clint. Very slightly overweight on Blaney. Um, little underweight on Denny. Denny was the highest scoring driver. Denny was one of my favorite plays. And, like, if you read the sports betting article, I told you to bet Denny Hamlin. He, like, he was one of my favorite bets. Um, I think it was, like, plus 900 or something. So, so like obviously I like Denny a lot. Um, it, it's just you know I ended up you know we had him projected for twenty nine percent. I was trying to be right at the field on projected. He ended up coming in a lot higher. Um. So yeah, and just kind of looking, you know, here looking at everything else. Um, you know some shocking ownerships. I, I think. Um, you know, some things that, you know, kind of shocked me was, you know, Brad Keselowski wasn't as high as owned as I thought he was going to be. Kyle Busch was a lot higher owned than I thought he was going to be. Um, 
Kevin Harvick was a lot higher owned than I thought he was going to be. Um, you know, Clint, he was higher, he was higher on than I thought, but I, I knew that there was a good chance that that was going to be the case, uh, for him. Kyle Larson ended up getting a lot of ownership that I didn't really expect. Um, I was way underweight on Kyle Larson, you know, for the big tournament anyway. So like those guys kind of shocked me as far as ownership goes. Um, Brendan gone was, I think the biggest shocker to me that he was, he was a lot lower owned um, than I thought he was going to be. Like we had him projected for 42%. I actually thought he was going to be more than that. And he came in at 27.6%. So I'm not, I'm not saying that I wasn't mad about that one. Um, Ross Chastain was another guy that was lower than I thought he was going to be. Um, so yeah, you know, Ty Dillon was a lot more than I thought he was going to be. You know, I thought I was doubling the field on him and I ended up being like 5% underweight on him. So, you know, that one was kind of shocking. And then just kind of a lot of these guys towards the back, you know, um, their ownerships were shocking. Like, so, so yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing else really to talk about there. Uh, let's move over to FanDuel. Fandle Cash as well did not do well. Luckily, he had some good tournament teams over there on Fandle. So my Fandle Cash lineup was Corey the Joy, Brendan Gaughan, Reed Sorensen, Clint Boyer, Kyle Busch. Reed Sorensen having that tire go down and hit the wall. He was just riding, man. He was he was cruising his way to a top twenty, and I think Cash would have been way different. You know, when I was looking at double ups and stuff, I was like right below the bubble. So. I think it would have been way different. Kyle Bush was so highly, highly owned in cash. It didn't matter. Um, you know, Clint Boyer obviously did really well. Gone did really well. And the joy did really well. So there was two like pretty obvious cash builds for me on FanDuel. And I went with the one that didn't cash. If I went with the other one, it would have cashed fine. Um, but Um, yeah, nothing else really to talk about here as far as cash games. Like, I, again, like I think you could have went Denny Hamlin. He was pretty popular in cash. I think you could have went Ryan Blaney. Um, that was the other build. You know, you could go, you could go Blaney, Hamlin, Boyer. I think it was Kyle Bush and Brendan gone because Brendan gone was like 2k. Um, so like you could play all the studs if you wanted to, but like, when I was looking at it, like I was playing Brendan Gone, LaJoy, and Sorensen pretty much no matter what on FanDuel in cash. So like it was just really de deciding on like how else I wanted to approach it. So I ended up taking Boyer, Boyer and Kyle Bush more because um you know Boyer and Kyle Bush were starting 29th and 28th. They were the best back starters. Um and I, like, I really, I seriously debated between Kyle Bush and Michael McDowell. Uh, <laughs> so like, that's just Daytona in a nutshell, right? Um, had some, you know, had Mas Master Yoshi and Alex Berg 22 both message me. Um, congratulations to you guys. There was one more person, Flag Hunter 21. Uh, there was a three-way tie on FanDuel for the top prize. Over there in their 150K um, Intimidator, uh, 25K to first. So congratulations to you guys taking down 13K apiece. 
Uh, the winning lineup over there was Brendan Gaughan, David Reagan, Denny Hamlin, Corey LaJoy, and Ryan Blaney. Um, really strong lineup. You know, all guys that I really, really liked. Um, again, like all guys that I ranked pretty high, like David Reagan at 9.4%. Um, kind of was really kind of shocking to me when it came to FanDuel. Like I played 30% of that dude over there on FanDuel. Um, Brendan Gaughan. 18.4%. I think I played like 34% of him. Uh, he was one of my highest owned drivers. Um, you know, Blaney, I played 35% Blaney. I played 35% Boyer. Um, and then Hamlin, I played 31%. I was 7% under, under on Hamlin. So like the, the build that won, like I had a lot of those guys. It's just like, Oh, not the right combination. So, um, happens, right? Like it just, it happens, you know, you, you have the right combinations. You're right on a lot of things. It just doesn't have, like it just happens. So, um, as far as ownership over there, uh, nothing too crazy. Kyle Bush was really, really high owned. Um, again, like Kyle, Kyle was the stud that was like really highly owned this weekend. So did not help a lot of people that his engine blew. Um, outside of that, like, you know, projected ownership was really, really close over there on Fandle. There wasn't too many things that like was, that were like super shocking. You know, Jimmy was a lot higher on, on Fandle than I thought he was going to be. Um, like we had him projected for like 6%. He ended up being like 13.4%. I had like 1%. So, um, you know, Austin Dillon was another guy that was kind of higher on than I thought, like 14% owned. Um, did not see that one coming. Um, yeah, like, you know, some of these back markers were really low owned. You know, John Hunter Nemechek was like 3% owned. Um, Ty did not get the same type of ownership on FanDuel that he did on DraftKings. You know, Brendan Gaughan at 2K or 2,500 or whatever it was, uh, was only 18% owned in the big tournament. So, if you played the back markers on FanDuel, like, again, you're just like, oh, man, Quinn Hoof was like 4%. BJ McLeod was like 3.3%. Timmy Hill was like 2%. You're like, oh, you guys had to wreck 4.5% for Reed Sorensen. Like, couldn't just ride around and not wreck. You had to have an issue. Um, obviously, they can't predict that stuff. So, um, I'd say for the most part, you know, when we're looking back at, like, the winning lineup, um, you know, the winning lineup did not have anyone starting inside the top 20. So if you if you play the groups um, and stuff that we talked about, uh, the strategy was sound, um, was, was ultrasound. So always glad to see, you know, what we talk about as far as the strategy work. You know, you have to – I'm not sitting here, and I've said this many times, like you're not going to sit here and say, like, you didn't get lucky. Um, you know, Daytona and Talladega, there's wrecks. We can't predict that. But um, you just play a strategy and you hope that at the end you have six guys there. And, um, you know, congratulations to the guys that did. Um, Man, like my bad. It's so hard, like, to really have a bad for Daytona. Like, you know, we, we'll talk more about this next week at Vegas where maybe a fast car that we expected to be fast – was actually really kind of slow in the get lucky. Um, so, you know, just, just kind of looking at it, like my bad would probably be 
Quinn Hoof kind of, kind of trying to come down in front of Eric Amarola, wrecking and, you know, collecting like BJ McLeod and stuff. Like, it's probably my bad. Those two guys were really criminally underowned for what they were, for where they were starting and what they were going to do in the race. So, like, him just making the mistake of not just letting Eric Amarola go and wrecking, I think that's clear cut bad for me. Um, the good, man, a couple goods, right? Like, good that Ryan Newman's live. You know, good for Denny Hamlin winning his third, um, you know, Daytona 500. And super pumped for him for that. I know. And just really quick, like, if you didn't see this, like, news, like, you know, if you were watching the race and you knew all about the Hamlin or the Newman stuff and you saw Hamlin doing donuts in the grass and stuff, like, he apologized. Joe Gibbs apologized. Like, they apologized. They didn't know how bad everything was with Ryan Newman. Um, so, it's not his fault. Don't don't be that person. Don't be the person to blame LaJoy or Blaney. Like, don't be that person. So, um, so yeah, don't just just don't be that person. So, um, yeah, like a lot of good man. I was happy to see Brendan gone do really well. You know, he came on the podcast last week, so I was happy to see you know him do well. You know, happy to see like LaJoy do well. Happy to see like different cars up there in the top 10 and stuff. But uh, like I always say, really happy for Denny, friend of Rotor Grinders. Um, you know, congratulations to him on his, you know, third Daytona 500. You know, if you checked out the Rotor Grinders story last week when we took over Media Day on Instagram, um, you know, he talked about how cool it would be to win his, you know, third Daytona 500. So, um, my takeaways, bring on Vegas, you know, bring on races that like we can kind of predict where the fastest laps and stuff are going to come from. Kind of excited to see a few things like uh, there's, you know, definitely things that I'm looking forward to going into Vegas, you know, looking at like what our rookies are going to do with their equipment, going, looking at, you know, what to expect with the new Camaro. Um, you know, Chevy was the only team that like changed their change, like a dramatic change from last year. So, you know, I'm just kind of excited to see, you know, how, how those things are going to really affect um, everything. So, but yeah, like that, it's kind of like, again, like the Ryan Newman thing, just, you know, going to continue to pray for him and just hope for a speedy recovery. Um, highly doubt that he's in the car this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see like if it's like Chase Briscoe or somebody. Um because these Vegas cars are ready already. Like you know, these cars are ready week probably weeks ago, week ago, weeks weeks ago. Um, you know, these Daytona five hundred in Las Vegas and these West Coast cars are prepped long before. So be interesting to see how all that plays out. But again, just really happy that Ryan Newman is alive and it's not life threatening. And uh, we'll just have to wait for more details as far as that life today is kind of a lot. It forces us to always be on, but every now and then it's important to just stop 
and crack open a mountain cold Coors Light and chill. So when you choose to turn off, choose the one beer that's made to chill. Coors Light, mountain cold refreshment made to chill. What do you do when you need a moment to chill? You know, me, I, I'm watching sports. Maybe, you know, watching the NASCAR race this past weekend, cracking open and open a Coors Light, enjoying the race. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to be doing that for Vegas this weekend, home, watching the race, cracking open. So excited, um, you know, to be able to watch the race and crack open a Coors Light. So, you know, if you're watching sports, you're enjoying your all-star break, Coors Light, man, gotta, gotta take care of it. You know, this, these days, everything is go, go, go. Nonstop hustle is taken over and it's kind of a lot. You know, there's work, there's friends, there's family, a million press and social issues and an expectation to always be on. If the pace of things is wearing you down, take a moment, pause, refresh yourself. You need a moment to turn off for a little bit, you know, golfing, watching sports, however it may be. When you choose to turn off, reach for the one beer that's made to chill. Coors Light is brewed with a three-step cold process, cold lager, cold filtered, and cold packaged, so it's actually made to chill. The mountains on Coors Light, cold activated bottles and cans turn blue when chilled to perfection. Born in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado in 1978, Coors Light refreshing crisps and only 102 calories. That's why Coors Light is the one I choose when I need a moment of chill. So when you want to reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Celebrate responsibly and Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We go to Las Vegas this weekend. Penn's Oil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube. Las Vegas is a 1.5-mile oval. It's a steep track. Steep tracks that you can kind of compare to Vegas. Bristol, Dover, Homestead, and Darlington are all your steep tracks. So if you're you know, kind of looking at data from last year, because it's hard to look at data before last year because you know the package and the rule changes, we saw a huge difference. So if you're grouping all your steep tracks together to try to get an idea of what you're looking at, you know, you got Bristol, Dover, Homestead, Darlington. The stages this weekend are 80, 80, and 107. Fuel mileage is 58 to 62 laps, so they will have to pit under green. Dominator points for DraftKings. We're going to have 133.5 fastest lap points and 66.75 laps lead points. A lot of Dominator points available here um, this weekend with 267 laps. On Fandle, we have two hundred, or we have twenty six point seven laps lead points and twenty six point seven laps completed points. Uh, tire wear not really going to be an issue here at Vegas. Uh, the last ten races averages six point seven cautions per race for an average of twenty nine point six laps, which is taking away fourteen point eight of those DK, DK Dominator points that we just talked about because you can't get fastest laps under caution. Last year. We had four cautions and two cautions in the two races. We saw two very tame races at Vegas. Um, wouldn't be shocked if we kind of see the same thing. Um, over the last five races, drivers that have scored more than 20 dominator points in those five races. Last race last year, we had four drivers score over 20 dominator points. The, we the race last spring had two. The race before that, we had three. The race before that, we had one. And the race before that, we had three. So 
probably looking for two to three dominators. Um, I will say the race that had four people that scored over 20 dominator points. Um, some of that came from the back and some of that, um, some of that came from the back. <laughs> Sorry. I heard part of being a dad heard my son like cry. And like, I instantly like, you know, thought about, um, that for a second. So yes. Anyway, back to the, those four race, the four dominators that scored over, you know, 20 dominator points, um, last year at this race. Um, some of those came from the back. So like when we're looking at this, you know, race in, in general here, um, you know, and, and like the optimal for the race that had four people scored 20 plus dominator points, only two of those guys were in there. Like Martin Truex Jr. and Joey Logano um, were in the optimal, you know, Ryan Blaney was in the optimal and he only scored 9.75 dominator points. But the fact that, you know, he started 23rd and finished fifth, he outscored some of those guys that had dominator points that, you know, kind of finished a little bit further back and he was cheaper. You know, Kevin Harvick was, he started third, finished second. He scored, um, 23.25 dominator points. He scored 66 fantasy points, but you know, Blaney was the optimal play because he was cheaper he ended up scoring 0.5 more fantasy points. Like Chase Elliott started eighth and finished fourth. He had 21.5 uh, dominator points, scored 65 fantasy points, but was not optimal. So again, like when you were building your dominator lineups, um, you probably only needed two because the optimal only had two. Um, you know, we're trying to go optimal here. So uh, the race last year, um, the Las Vegas race, the third race of the season, the Pennzoil 400 on um, in March last year, you know, there, there was two dominators, Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick, um, were your two dominators and they both were optimal. They both scored over 80, 85 points. Um, so, you know, obviously, um, you know, you needed those. So, yeah, like, when you're looking at it, you know, I, I think that you're probably playing a two-dominator team. Wouldn't be shocked if you play a little bit more. But, honestly, I, I think that you're more looking more like a two-dominator team. Maybe make a two to three. Uh, really going to depend on, like, starting positions. So, we'll talk about that on the breakdown show Saturday night. Um, You know, just – kind of overall looking at, you know, Vegas in general, Kevin Harvick um, was really good at Vegas last year with this package. So he's obviously a guy that's like, you know, standing out right off the bat, but, you know, I was kind of already looking this morning at like the, the steep tracks from just last year, just alone and just trying to get an idea of, you know, what, that we're what we're gonna kind of just you know be looking at you know and we look back at like those eight races you know Truex won a couple of those races Kyle Busch won a couple of those races but like Kevin Harvick was really really strong um, but your like leading DraftKings guy was Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch your leading FanDuel guy was Kyle Busch so 
Um, you know, just kind of looking back at those races. What's interesting, like in those eight races, like nobody had eight top tens in those races. Harvick had six. Kyle Busch had six. They were the most. Um, but like Kyle Busch, man, you know, you look at it, his average finish was 5.9 on steep tracks last year. So like he's obviously right up towards the top. So heading into the weekend, depending on like the speed and there's so much that can change. Um, just in general that, you know, we'll have to really just kind of be paying attention and breaking everything down, which we'll be doing on Saturday's driver breakdown show. So, um, it's kind of, it's, you know, we don't do too much preview and we do a lot more recapping on these shows. Um, so, you know, looking at those winning lineups, nothing really crazy about the winning lineups from this past weekend. So, uh, we'll have a, obviously we'll have a, so much more to talk about like next week when we get off of these, um, when we get off of super speedway and we move on to a 1.5 mile track like Vegas. So that's going to wrap it up here for the morning grind podcast and the recap preview show for NASCAR. Like I said, we'll be back talking some hockey tomorrow on the podcast. Appreciate everyone listening. Um, not even just like my normal sign off, you know, doesn't really apply here. Cause like there's no contest to kind of play. Maybe there's something you can play. So hope everyone enjoys the all-star break and we'll be back talking hockey tomorrow.